You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Studios. Since it turns out we like reporting on cheating in sports, here's today's Is It Cheating news. When the University of Wisconsin football team scores, the team and all its fans are very happy. The mascot for the team, Bucky the Badger, I'm sure is also happy. But that happiness is tempered because every time new points go up on the Wisconsin scoreboard, Bucky Badger, the mascot, has to do push-ups for every point that Wisconsin has put on the board. So Wisconsin scores a touchdown and an extra point, Bucky does seven push-ups. Then they score a field goal. The Wisconsin score goes from 7 to 10, and Bucky does 10 push-ups. 10 more push-ups, I should say. If Wisconsin then scores another touchdown, an extra point, and their score goes to 17, Bucky then does 17 more push-ups, putting his total push-up tally by that point of the game up to 34. Here's the problem, which has given rise to the mystery. On Saturday, the Wisconsin football team scored 83 points. Wisconsin 83, Indiana 20. Wisconsin scored 83 points. That's a lot of push-ups. That's a lot of push-ups. <laughs> well, hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. And today we are talking about badgers. Yes, indeed. But first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Well, there wasn't too many badgers in the news this week, but there was a lady in Maine doing some very interesting things with moose poop. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to this audio yet or not, Donna. No. But this is directly from the news station and uh, they've given us permission to use this, so here's the story. All right. There's a lot going on at this Somerville home. There are two adults, three kids, more than 60 animals, including some fish and a whole bunch of moose turds. Mary Winchenbatch runs Turdy Works. It's part made from the stuff that moose leave behind. Everyone takes a crap. Everyone goes to the bathroom, so everyone can relate to that. And every, the terms that I use to name these products are everyday terms that, you know, people are used to hearing and stuff. So we just kind of, you just try to, you know, combine the two to, to come up with something halfway decent that's funny, you know. For example, the first thing that we make now, instead of a cuckoo clock, see, this is a poopoo clock. <laughs> and what we did see is we took them turds and we crammed them in between the number there, so that's one turdy, two turdy, three turdy. That's just <laughs> one of many products she offers. Uh, now, over here, we make fecal people. And depending upon the shape of them middle turds right there, we can do them with big <laughs> boobs or guts or butts or long legs or short legs, see, because there's no two turds that are ever alike. Have you ever seen a turd that two turds alike? <laughs> no. Mary says half the battle is getting her product, but to do that... She doesn't have to travel far. The turds are all local. We just go out and track the moose, and, <laughs> and wherever the moose are, they're going to take a crap. And I, I have found that when a moose takes a dump, <laughs> you walk about 50 yards in any direction, and they take another dump. It's a fairly simple and efficient business model. And when a moose takes a dump, they'll crap out between two and 400 <laughs> turds every time they, they take a crap. So it's like I, I get five bucks a turd for these things. So I get jumping right up and down. I get excited when I see a turd. It's going viral. <laughs> she doesn't know what her next local stop will be. But she's upping her game. With a new Turdy Works Facebook page, 
to peddle her poop. Get on there, and that's all my turds are on that on that page right there with the prices, and click on them, and then get to me and let me know what you need for turds, and I ship it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mainers. My goodness, there's not right? much to do there. <laughs> <laughs> She's literally polishing turds. That's awesome. It's really great. I can't. I can't read a reminder now. I'm laughing. <laughs> when I saw that, I said, "Well, I have to do this. It's perfect for our podcast." It's too bad we, we didn't have that on the moose episode. Oh, oh yeah, where where were you, Maine lady? Yeah, Mainer. Where were you when we need Mainer? Is that what they're called, Mainers? They're called Mainers. Mainers, okay. not Maynards. Mainer, Mainers. Just a reminder, everybody, go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're on Twitter and Instagram at at Brightman's Podcast, all one word, and at Brightman's Podcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. I like to run a Pinterest board about each animal that we talk about, although I am a little bit behind on that. I will catch up, and the link to that is at the bottom of our show notes for every episode. So... If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We're everywhere podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. And this episode today is brought to you by Fish Nerds. Hey, Yay. if you live in New England, or you're planning a trip there, or you're up in Maine doing some uh, turd shopping, why not go visit <laughs> our buddy, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Clay Groves? He's just a few hours away from anywhere in New England. He is a licensed fishing guide who offers sightseeing cruises and fishing trips when it's warm out, foliage cruises in the autumn, and ice fishing trips when it's cold. He is always out on the water, and when he's not, he hosts a podcast that we love, and it's called, of course, Fish Nerds. We love Clay, not just because he donates at the highest level of our Patreon, but because he is truly a friend of our show, and he's so very supportive. So go to fishnerds.com for all the information you could possibly want about Fish Nerds. And if you want us to advertise your band, business, Etsy page, blog, garage sale, whatever, we will do it. So visit patreon.com slash varmints for details. No matter how much you donate, you will get a little reward like a shout out or some merch or some bonus content or we'll advertise for you. Patreon.com slash varmints. Now let's learn about badgers. Hey! Hey! Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. <laughs> I definitely wanna. I know you wanna. For sure. <laughs> oh, we are learning about badgers today. Badgers are short-legged omnivores in the family Mustelidae, which also includes other animals that we've done episodes on. Our episode on otters is still one of our most listened to episodes to date. Uh, we've also done an episode on ferrets, and then way back when, we did an episode on wolverines. There are 11 species of badgers. Most of our show today is going to concentrate on European and American badgers. Honey badgers are so interesting that they are definitely going to get their own show in the future, because they are one of my favorite animals ever. Yep. The badgers we're talking about today have rather short, wide bodies with very short legs for digging. They have elongated heads with small ears, grayish-brown fur, and a very distinctive black face with some white stripes and markings. 
badgers can grow to around 35 inches or 90 centimeters in length and weigh anywhere from 25 to 40 pounds. That's about 9 to 18 kilograms. Badgers can be found in much of North America, Ireland, Great Britain, and most of the rest of Europe up to southern Scandinavia. They can also be found in China and Japan. Male badgers are called boars. Females are called sows, and young badgers are called cubs or kits. A group of badgers is called a seat or a clan. The modern word badger was originally applied to the European badger by the 16th century name Bagheard, which people who are into etymology think refers to the little white mark worn like a badge on its forehead. Another oldie time name for badger uh, was Brock. People used to call him Brocks, but they don't do that anymore. So uh, now it's badger. Cool. Yeah. So is that what, if a person is called Brock, does that mean that they're named after a badger? Yes, that's what they used to call a badger, a huh. Brock. Yeah. Well, well, well. So I want to talk to you about an interesting adaptation of the badger. And this is sort of an adaptation that applies, I think there's some other species that do this, but I know it's very rare. Uh, recently, in 2016, this is a couple years old, but... That's still pretty recent. There were sightings of a coyote and badger on the prairie surrounding the National Blackfooted Ferret Conservation Center. It's a coyote and a badger hunting together. So, Oh, they're having like a little Disney movie adventure together. Yeah, sort of a little bit, yeah. Coyotes and badgers are known to hunt together, and they can be even more successful hunting prairie dogs and ground squirrels when they work in tandem. They have been shown that this unusual relationship is beneficial for both species. The coyote can chase down prey if it runs, and the badger can dig after prey if it heads underground into its burrow system. Each wow. partner is in this unlikely duo is a skill that the other one lacks, and together they are both faster and better diggers than the burrowing rodents that they hunt. These partnerships tend to emerge during the warmer months. In the winter, the badger can dig up hibernating prey as it sleeps in its burrow and it has no need for the fleet-footed coyote. Coyotes and badgers have a sort of open relationship. They will sometimes hunt together, but they also often hunt on their own. And it's important to remember that the one that gets the prey is the one that gets to eat the prey. They're not sharing it. They're just sharing okay. the task. <laughs> wow. And a badger can also be spotted fighting with a coyote just as often as this as hunting. So they're kind of, maybe they're more frenemies than anything else. <laughs> I will post the article that I just read to you guys and also a video from the same area of the coyote and the badger hunting together so you guys can see it in action. Cool. Yeah. And if you're a video game developer or you know one, if they make like a two-player cooperative badger coyote video game, I'm going to play the heck out of that thing. Wouldn't that be fun? I will Especially buy that. Especially because it's sort of com it's competitive as well because who gets yes. the prey, you know? The whole time you were explaining that, I'm thinking, this is a video game. This is a good idea for a video game. Somebody <laughs> get on this because I can't make video games. Yeah, you can have your prairie dog count at the top, you know? Yeah, and you can get in little fights over over stuff, and wow, sure. <laughs> yeah. It's cooperative and competitive at the same time. Man, that dude, somebody make a video game out of this, please. <laughs> we will advertise you on the show. For free. 
<laughs> if we ever make the show again, we might be so busy playing that game. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we will not. I, having been a beta tester before, I will not promise to beta test. But <laughs> when you've got it in a fairly good shape, we'll advertise it for you. There you go. <laughs> so the Badger lives in an underground home called a set, which will typically be near the center of their territory or range. Now, a simple beginner Fisher-Prey set might be made up of one tunnel with just a sleeping chamber near the end of it. However, sets are constantly being upgraded and added on to and remodeled. So established sets have several entrance holes. They have tunnels which link up with one another. They have sleeping and nursery chambers and a, lat a latrine so that they have somewhere to go to the bathroom. And they have ventilation holes for airflow. A really big set can have from 50 to 100 entrance holes, likely dug out by several badgers over many generations over many years. There are some sets which are known to be over 100 years old. A badger is around the same size as a very large cat, so these chambers and tunnels have to be big enough to accommodate that. One study found that a well-established set had 12 tunnels. It was about 310 meters in length, with all the tunnels and stuff. It was estimated that the badgers had excavated 25 tons of soil throughout the years to create this huge complex. Badgers are also really picky about where they establish a set. They like sandy soil or things like chalk and limestone because those are really, really easy to dig in and they expend less energy. They also like to establish sets on slopes or inclines where rainfall is likely to drain off around their set rather than into it. The main set may have other little sets surrounding it, so like here in Florida, if there's a really big house, like a huge mansion with lots of rooms, they might also have a guest house or a separate garage or a separate building for something, and so badgers kind of do the same thing. They have the main set, and then they have little auxiliary sets that are around that sometimes get used, sometimes don't. A lot of the vacant ones get used and wind up being uh, inhabited by foxes and rabbits and not necessarily badgers. So the nesting chambers on a set are also really interesting. They're really super important, and a set may have two or three or even more of these nesting chambers. So the size and shape and depth of a nesting chamber allows for a constant temperature. So in the winter it's warm, and in the summer it's cool. Badgers will rotate these nesting chambers. And what that does is rotating gives that nesting chamber a chance to recover and freshen up, and any parasites like fleas and lice which drop off the badger while they're in there, they drop off into the bedding and they have a chance to die off in the bedding rather than build up into a really harmful load on the badgers. Nice. Yeah. European badgers and their sets are protected under the Protection of Badgers Act of 1992. So since 1992, under that law, it is an offense to hurt a badger, dig for a badger, damage or destroy a set or obstruct access to the, the opening of the set. It's also against the law to allow a dog to enter into the badger set or to disturb a badger while it's in its set. So don't mess with European badgers at yes. all. For, yes. for many reasons other than it's against the law, but don't mess with them. Well, you, you probably shouldn't for a lot of other reasons, but uh, <laughs> there you go. Disclaimer time! The Varmint's podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway.
So is all that set building that badgers do, is that a mark of intelligence necessarily? Well, I mean, whatever we put them at with beavers, maybe they're up there, right? Six or seven? Sure. Maybe five yeah, or six, that's... I don't know. Yeah. It's not I a think... problem-solving behavior. It's not deliberate, you know what I mean? That's not how evolution works. <laughs> there right. wasn't a there wasn't a badger that sat there and said, "We need a separate room for potties and all this stuff." It's just a behavior that developed over millions of years, and the ones that did these behaviors were the ones that survived. And the ones that didn't do these behaviors didn't make it into the gene pool. So, sure. it's in as far as the engineering aspect of it, I think it's a, it's pretty smart and pretty amazing, but like beavers, we have to wonder how much problem solving is there going on, and I don't know. And I, I, I've done the question with myself with beavers too, like, are they problem solving? Because they're they dig canals and stuff, so that seems like they are. So maybe, maybe these guys are problem solving, but I wasn't being able to find any research about it one way or the other. So right. I'm going to say pretty darn smart, but I think so. I'll, but not like seven or eight, maybe like a five or a six. I don't know. I'll go along with like a six. We, what we have to do is find somebody who attempted to like have a, a badger for a pet. And first of all, ask them, why would you want a badger for a pet? And then ask them how smart they are. Yeah. Or ask a wildlife rehabilitation person. But there I was, you go. I just wasn't being able to find like anything. So. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. It seems pretty smart to let badgers be, to, to leave them alone. That seems pretty it, smart to that's me. That's a... That's a wise move. <laughs> <laughs> and our, our arbitrary measurement system fails us again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to talk about badgers and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after this. Do you love a good story? If you do, check out Stories of Your and Yours. I'm Sean Ennis, and each week on Stories of Your and Yours, I narrate a classic short story, adding music and sound effects to bring those stories new life. Poe, Vonnegut, Kipling, Twain, these are just a few of the authors that we've featured so far. And in addition to classic short stories, we feature original stories from aspiring authors. So if you do love a good story, give Stories of Your, that's Y-O-R-E, and yours, that's Y-O-U-R-S, a listen today. And visit the show at S-Y-Y Podcast on Facebook and Instagram to say hi and let me know what you think. Hey there, everyone. Paul and Don are a couple of nerds just like you. And they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys, and video games. So my pop culture pick of the week is Redwall. Have you ever heard of Redwall? Yes. It's great. Uh, Redwall is a series of children's fantasy novels by Brian Jakes. So just imagine a little asterisk next to the word children's because around 10 years ago or so, my daughter would buy and bring home Redwall books, and I wound up reading them myself because they're really, really good. Redwall is the title of the first book of the series, published in 1986. It's the name of the Abbey featured in the book, and the name of an animated TV series based on three of the novels. There have been a total of 22 novels, 
and two picture books published in the Redwall series. Brian Jakes was born in Liverpool, England in 1939. His father loved literature and would read him adventure stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Robert Louis Stevenson, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Jakes had a talent for writing at a very early age, so when he was 10, he was assigned to write a story, so he wrote a story about a bird that cleaned a crocodile's teeth. His teacher could not believe that he was capable of writing such a story, and he he actually punished him when he refused to admit that he plagiarized the story. He got caned. What? Yes. Why? Because the teacher didn't think that his story about a bird cleaning a, a crocodile's teeth was his own. He thought he plagiarized it. Oh my goodness. And he refused to own up to that, because he wrote it. He finished school at 15 years old, and he set out to find adventure as a sailor. When he was done with that, he had all kinds of jobs. He was a railway fireman, a longshoreman, a long-distance truck driver, a bus driver, a boxer, a police constable, a postmaster, a stand-up comic, and all the while he was writing poetry, stories, and music along the way. The first book in the series, Redwall, was published in 1986, like we said, which means that Jakes was 47 years old before he even started his writing career. So he had a lot of experience under his belt, and he just switched gears and became a writer. Huh. Brian Jakes passed away in 2011, just a few months before the release of the last book in the series called The Rogue Crew. The Redwall book series does not chronicle any one particular time frame. Rather, it covers many periods in the history of Redwall, a world which encompasses mossflower woods, surrounding islands, and a land called Southsward. Some of the books focus on historical characters like Martin the Warrior and his father Luke. All of the characters in the books are anthropomorphic animals of some sort, almost all of whom are capable of speech. There are also one or more monsters that are also some type of ferocious predatory animal, like a snake or something like that. Right. The Redwall series is notable for its equal opportunity adventuring, so female characters are every bit as strong and courageous as their male counterparts. So there's novels called Mariel of Redwall, Pearls of Lutra, and Triss, and those all feature strong female leading characters. Nice. Yeah. Jake's also developed unique languages intrinsic to certain species, so like badgers have their own language and, and otters have their own language, and it's really cool. That is neat. It is. And if you read any of the Redwall books, you're going to get really, really hungry because all through the series, there are all sorts of banquets and feasts and afternoon teas. And Jake's goes into a fair amount of detail describing the foods and beverages served at them. And you're going to want to eat like all the scones and tea when you're done reading a book right. or even a chapter. <laughs> Badgers are featured in all but one Redwall book where they are portrayed as large beasts with long lifespans, immense strength and a tremendous sense of honor. Tribes of Redwall Badgers was published in 2001 as an accessory to the Redwall series. This is a booklet about badgers that has trivia questions, a giant poster, and profiles of many of the badger characters that are featured in the series. And there's all sorts of cartoons, fun facts, and supplemental story information. I kind of want to buy it just for the poster. <laughs> so Redwall, really good books. Get them for your kids and get them for yourself. And for those of you that are interested in art... The illustration for this series is amazing and beautiful. It really is. Lots of different artists uh, doing a lot of different art. Just do a Google image search and you'll you'll see some of it. Remarkable, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Cool. That is so cool, man. 
All right, my entry for this week's pop culture chat is Badger from the comic. Badger. <laughs> Badger is a comic book. It was published first by the short-lived Capital Comics Company and then First Comics. He was created by writer Mike Barron in 1983 and published through the early 1990s in a titular series that ended when First Comics also ceased all publication. Since the ongoing series ended in 1991, new Badger titles have been released through Dark Horse Comics, Image Comics, and now IDW Publishing. I'm just going to go ahead and read you what they have on Wikipedia because it's a pretty good summary. The first four issues of Badger were published by Capital Comics under the name of The Badger, beginning in 1983. Capital ceased publishing in 1984, and in 1985, Barron took his creation to First Comics to then be illustrated by artist Bill Reinhold. First reprinted the first four issues, and then they published monthly issues of Badger, including the Hexbreaker graphic novel in 1988. A spin-off four-issue miniseries ran concurrently with the regular series in 1989 called Badger Goes Berserk, which explored Norbert's childhood and took his childhood abuse pretty seriously. And then he sometimes guest starred in Mike Barron's other series, the space opera called Nexus, which took place in the future. So in 1994, Dark Horse Comics published two miniseries featuring different versions of his origin, the four-issue Badger Shattered Mirror series, which was a serious take on his origin, and the two-issue Badger Zen Pop Funny Animal version. And these two were deliberately written to be mutually exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) In 1997, Image Comics began publishing a black and white fourth Badger series whose narrative connection to the previous versions is not clear. (laughs) And it ran 11 issues. The series returned in November of 2007, published by IDW Publishing, and this consists of a reprint of trade paperbacks of old issues, as well as two new Badger stories, a one-shot Badger Bull, followed by a new mini-series Badger Saves the World, which started in December of 2007. Artists who work on the Badger in the 80s included Jeff Butler and Stephen Butler, Bill Reinhold, Chaz Trog, Jackson Guise, Mike Mignola, and Ron Lim. The Badger was mostly set in Madison, Wisconsin, where Capital Comics was situated. The lead character is Norbert Sykes. He is a Vietnam War veteran suffering from what was called at the time multiple personality disorder, which is what we now refer to as dissociative identity disorder. Okay. Was that like his superpower? He is an expert martial artist, and he talks to animals. Oh, okay. Yep. He is an urban vigilante. He talks to animals, and that's just... But the thing is that the badger is one of his personalities. After escaping from a mental institution, Norbert met a 5th century druid named Ham, (laughs) who had just awakened from an 800-year-old coma. So this druid takes in the badger as a boarder in his castle in return for the badger's bodyguard services. Other characters included in Norbert's tale are caseworker Daisy, a Vietnamese martial arts expert, and Lord Wetterlacus, who is a demon empowered by Ham until they had a falling out. So, Okay. That's a kind of an unlikely background, but it's a comic book, so what do you want? Yeah, sure. Personalities of the Badger are Norbert Sykes, that's his legal identity, the Badger, that's his martial arts superhero character, Emily, a nine-year-old girl, Pierre, 
who is a homicidal personality who speaks with a French accent. Leroy, who is a dog. Gastineau Grover DePaul, who is an inner city African-American and he is unaware of the other personalities. And then there's Maxwell, an architect. And early on he was written differently as it, than he was later. And uh, so it's a, it's a pretty interesting character. So yeah. I want to just say that if you're going to check into this character, I think I would recommend that you be at least middle school age, maybe a little older. It just kind of depends on the maturity uh, that your parents think you have. You know what I mean? Like, yep. It might be better for high school students to start with, and but some middle school kids might be mentally sort of ready for it and, and emotionally ready for it, and I'm not sure. But it has some dark themes, and it's not... It's funny, but it's uh, it's dark comedy, so. Yeah. Yeah. And it never really took off. Like, I didn't, I never knew about it until you brought it up. No, there was never a cartoon or a movie or a TV series or anything, although I did spot a link to an article about somebody trying to get a Badger television series, and then I went, I followed the link, and the article's just buried, and, and I wasn't able to retrieve it, so. Huh. Um. There must have been some talk about it at some point, but it looks like it's gone. So, I wonder how collectible those comic books are. I don't know. I knew about this series because a buddy of mine and uh, that I grew up with was really into them, and he basically let everybody read his comics. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So Badger's a really interesting, interesting comic book hero for sure. Yeah, and you're, when they make the Badger TV show or movie, your friend is going to be like, well, I was reading Badger comics before anybody knew about them. No, he wouldn't do that because he's not a jerk. <laughs> Good. <Glad laughs> he would just be like, ooh, about time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? So, are you going to eat that? No. <laughs> I knew you were going to say no. No, <laughs> why would ask? I eat that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we just don't need more things to eat. I think that's one of my <laughs> basic my, one of my basic pro- protests against eating other animals is how many domestic animals do we have? Okay, come on, guys. I mean, maybe you don't mm. need more things to eat. No, I I wouldn't eat a badger either. Yeah. They just don't look like a thing you want to eat. <laughs> I don't There's, know. You know, we already said on many episodes before that it, your reasons don't have to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's yet another animal that has the, the you know, the anal glands that I don't like messing with. <laughs> so that automatically eliminates it. Uh, okay. Yeah, I checked into it and, uh, yeah, I think you're just going to have to go vegetarian. A lot of animals have Paul, Donna, it's me, Toph. Hey, Toph. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's help you win that next trivia night. Or just sound smarter than the rest of the room. With this, the Animal Fact of the Week. You know, it just dawned on me that Toph is from Wisconsin originally. Oh. He is not a native Texan. He is from Wisconsin. Right. So this part of the show is for Toph and for our other friends from Wisconsin. So this is also for you, Katie, JC, and Lola. Hi, guys. Hi. 
So the official state animal for Wisconsin is the American Badger. The Badger was designated the official state animal of Wisconsin in 1957. A Badger appears on Wisconsin's state flag, state seal, and it is even mentioned in the state song. Wisconsin's nickname is the Badger State because miners dug tunnels into hillsides searching for lead ore in the 1800s and they often lived in these abandoned mine shafts. And that reminded people of the Badgers that inhabited that territory. And also because they were hardworking and energetic and all that good stuff too. In 1957, a bill to establish the badger as a state animal was introduced at the request of four Jefferson County elementary school students who discovered from a historical society publication that the badger had not been given the official status that most people assumed they already had. Bucky Badger has long been the mascot of the University of Wisconsin at Madison. The badger started as the official University of Wisconsin mascot with the inception of intercollegiate football in 1889. Do you want to take a guess at what the original Badger mascot was? I'll give you 15 guesses. Uh, it was a, uh, a bullfrog. Nope. A fly. <laughs> Kangaroo. Wrong again. Earthworm. <laughs> Sack of potatoes. It was a real badger. Oh. <laughs> Which was oh. a bad idea. <laughs> it was, uh. Yeah, that's not good. It was too vicious to control, and on more than one occasion, the live badger escaped handlers before a sideline hero recaptured the animal with a flying tackle. (laughs) (laughs) So it was decided that in the interest of fan and player safety that the Wisconsin's mascot be retired to the zoo. So it went to the Madison Zoo to go be mean there. The original badger was replaced not with a human in a costume, but with a small raccoon instead. Oh my god. Named Regdab. And uh, it was passed off as a badger in a rac- raccoon coat. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so beginning in 1949, the school decided that a person dressed in a badger costume called Bucky the Badger would be a much better idea than having a wild animal to take care of. So during sporting events, Bucky the Badger is generally seen interacting with the crowd Uh, especially the rambunctious student section. For example, during football games, Bucky often directs sections to dance along with the band's music, or he pretends to pick fights with certain students. Bucky the Badger also has a history of playfully fighting the other team's mascots, like the University of Minnesota's Goldie Gopher, or Purdue University's Purdue Pete. So fighting is no longer allowed by NCAA mascots, but Bucky still frequently interacts with other mascots through skits and other little playful things. No violence. Okay. Bucky also does push-ups, as you heard at the beginning, to match the score after each touchdown, field goal, or safety at a football game. At the Indiana game on November 13th, 2010, you asked before how many push-ups did he wind up doing. For that game, the winning score was 83-20. to 20. Bucky did 573 push-ups. My goodness. (laughs) As many as seven different students portray Bucky Badger. They are all volunteers. They don't get scholarships or financial reimbursement of any kind. And most universities do that. Tryouts include tests of dancing skills, expressiveness in suit, ability to work with props, and the number of push-ups that a candidate can do, as well as an interview and the ability to write and perform an original skit. The Bucky team attends mascot training camp every year in August. They perform throughout the year, uh, including breaks and holidays, 
representing the university and the state at athletic events, but also at ceremonies, parades, festivals, weddings, and even the occasional funeral. Nice. Yeah. That's a lot of push-ups, man. Oh, you know that guy was hurting for like a week. Or for girl, sure. or, or lady. Don't yeah. know who was in yep, that costume. That's true. Yep. And they were sore. really, I mean, that's crazy time. Yeah, <laughs> it is. All right, I need you to play the klaxon for me. Klaxon! Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Reep. What are we doing? We're going to talk about how to make baby badgers. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> so if you haven't had the uh, how baby badgers happen talk with your child, you may want to pause the recording for a little while and fast forward a little bit, unless you're ready to have that talk. We're not going to get graphic or anything, but we are going to talk about baby badgers, and this is how you make them. Okay. In terms of reproduction, the American badger <laughs> mates during the summer months of July and August. However, embryos don't begin to grow until the beginning of December due to delayed implantation into the uterus, which is a process known as embryonic dyspause. Oh, right. I think kangaroos do this, don't they? I don't know. I don't know, but it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. She can have fertilized embryos and just sort of put a pause button on them. Pause, <laughs> embryos. We need to wait for a little bit. <laughs> After this happens, the American badger fetuses will grow until February, and then they are born in the spring months. So wow, that's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, they just have the embryo, and they just pop that on hold until yep. they're ready to do the thing. Yeah, yeah wow. until December, because then they're like, well, by the time the babies are born, it'll be warm again. So it's a it's a way to to have them prevent them being born into a cold season. So that is pretty neat. That is really neat. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty short fact, but I thought it was totally interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. Nature is fascinating. Nature's so weird. I love it. Every week, man. Every week, something something new about these animals. It's really cool. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. This show has been brought to you. With technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod, our logo was created by Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was by Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, and Stacy and Frosty. Thank you also to the Patreon supporter for giving us a few bucks every month to keep doing the podcast. We really do appreciate it. And now it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger who wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We'll make it super easy for you and your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. And now we're going to hear a Rugrat this minute. Yes. Yes. It's Noah and Josh. They have something to say about badgers. Yay. Noah, badgers are nocturnal. Can you tell me what that means? Nocturnal is where there's an animal and they're awake at night, but sleep in the day. That's awesome. Do you know anything else about badgers? Have you ever read about badgers before? Yes, I have. Um, I sort of forgot. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. Have you seen any, do you know what they eat? I'm assuming insects or something. <laughs> that sounds like it would be correct. Probably they eat insects. You think so, Josh? Yeah. Do you think they bite? Uh, yeah, they probably do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they probably bite. <laughs> I think that's likely.
So would you pet a badger if you saw it? What would you do? No. I would never pet a badger. Smart. Without a chance. Even if it was fully trained, you never know. <laughs> Good. Is there anything else you want to say about badgers? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, they're smart. They don't want to pet a badger. Yeah, that's pretty... That's a good call, guys. <laughs> smart kids. Very much so. Thank you, Noah and Josh, and thank you to their mom, Elisha, for recording them. We really do appreciate it. Sweet. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening, and until next time... Be nice to animals. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.